Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 46 of A View to a Cocker Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Ninja Sentai Cocker Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, the listeners. My name is Matt J, and with me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how are you doing today, bud? I, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm pretty tired. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The twins did not sleep well. Last night. They did not sleep well this afternoon at either. All. Uh, no, they did not sleep well this afternoon. They are taking a nap. And, uh, yeah. All right. It's impacting just a lot of things. But. Well, I believe in you, Dave. Yeah. You've got the strength to, to power through this episode. Just believe in the memory of your friend's heart's crystals, man. Yeah. You'll be yeah. all right. Uh, speaking of this episode, Dave, it is episode 46. It is called The New Year's Manga Hell. Oh, that was actually really relevant then. That was yeah, a good yeah. pull for me. Uh, <laughs> um, but Dave, before we get into The New Year's Manga Hell, first... Our two-time, award-winning, opening segment, Dave Shining in the Heavens, There Are Five Stars, What, Oh What, is our first Star of the Week. Please tell me, Dave. So I, I will, burn to know. I will tell you what our first Star of the Week is. Have we thought about if anybody else is in contention for best opening segment of, our po- of a podcast? I mean, I know we have trophies. Well, no, no, no. I'm just saying, I know that we so far have been both the awarding body and the recipient of those awards. I just wonder if we should consider if any other podcast has a distinct opening segment that might be worthy of the award. I mean, I'll tell you what. I mean, other people, if they are interested, can submit to the committee. Okay, yeah, that's a good point. But we are the committee, and I bribe myself like crazy. (laughs) Like crazy. I got myself all sorts of stuff all the time. Speaking of things that we just got ourselves... Oh, there you go. Nice transition. Here's transition. Uh, First star of the week, Dave, is that I, yesterday, bought for myself a Nintendo Switch Ah, and Breath of the Wild, which means that even though... I am recording this right now. I mean, I, I just want you all to recognize the fact that about 24 hours ago, I bought myself a Switch and Breath of the Wild. And right now, I'm doing this and not playing that. So you're all welcome. I care about you very much. I We appreciate your sacrifice, Matt. But uh, also, you are, our little sister is sitting downstairs making a D&D character. That is very Which exciting. is incredible. We've been, we, this has been a long, long time coming. We're going to start playing D&D with my wife and our sister and, uh, and Matt and I. We're very, very excited. It's been a long journey. Very long a journey. A long journey, a gradual journey. But I think the payoff is going to be there. I'm super I'm like deeply, I'm like deeply happy about it. It's it's going to feel very sort of emotionally rewarding. Yeah, I don't know if our mother is going to be super thrilled, but uh, I'm I'm into it. So yeah, you got a switch. That's rad. Yeah. Now, is there anything else? So I mean, like, okay, so obviously I'm not following this because I'm not playing video games these days. Uh-huh. Really, I, there's obviously there's like a switch sports. I would assume. 
There is something. It's called like one, two, three, switch or something. Okay, but like I mean, that. there is like a sort of generalized like it's a fun. And then there's Breath of the Wild. Right. And well, th- there are a lot of games that have been announced for it. That okay. Are not out yet. So nothing is. And I frankly, I mean, there are games that are out. There's one called Arms, which is weird. It's just like a bunch of guys with big noodle arms punching each other. Mm, okay. Uh, there's uh, there's Splatoon two, which I actually understand is very good. Um, although I never really got into Splatoon 1, but who knows? Maybe I'll get it. Maybe you'll get it. But generally speaking, I have Breath of the Wild now. I think that is going to carry me through until when, um, Mario Odyssey comes out. That game does look super fun. Uh, and then I know they've also announced, like, eventually they're going to be making a new Metroid, like a new Metroid Prime. Right. Uh, a lot of... There were a lot of very cool stuff that was announced at E3, and I'm excited about all of it. And I knew that I was absolutely going to get a Switch before Odyssey came out. Um, and so I figured I had a little uh, leftover. Got a little breathing room. Got then... a little breathing room. So I have a little birthday money, and I just worked a ton of overtime last week nice. on, that, uh, on that conference I was oh, talking yeah, about. Oh, yeah. We were talking. I did not even put together the yeah. idea that you would get overtime for that. Yeah. So I figured now is the time, and I am thrilled to pieces. But yeah. Dave, speaking of things that we were thrilled to pieces of... Regarding, rather. Yeah. What is our second Star of the Week? So our second Star of the Week, Matt, is earlier uh, this week, you and I got to go see MST3K live. They did a show in Cleveland. Thank you, by the way, to producer Mark, because... He had when he was living in Cleveland, he had bought a ticket and then it he is not in Cleveland anymore, so he wasn't gonna be able to use it. And so he gave it to me, which was super kind of him because I was not gonna be able to go otherwise. And so Yeah, we went and saw MSD3K yeah. live. And it was it was great. It was a great show. It was a great show. It was a little bit it was a little bizarre. It was surreal. Yeah, because MST3K Live is just MST3K. Right. It is like it is just an episode of the show. It has everything from the show. It's I was I guess anticipating that the guys would just be sort of off to the side doing jokes. But no. Yeah. They like they had the puppets out and they did an invention exchange and when it was time to watch the movie, they went behind the screen and sat in chairs and you saw their silhouettes up on the movie big movie projector. They just did an episode of the show live, which is exactly what they said they were doing. Right. It's what you want. Because, like, in the same way that the new episodes of Mystery Science Theater 3000 are just more episodes, like, it's not in any sort of quantifiable way different. Yeah. Like, the live show is the same way. It's just the show. But I love that show. Yeah. So it was so perfect. It, it, it worked really well. I was. It was... Uh, so Joel Hodgson was there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was... Uh, it was a great crowd. It, it was. was. It was exactly Sold the crowd show. Yeah, it was exactly the crowd you expect. And I think, the like, thing yeah, like would, imagine the sorts of people you would imagine would go to a mystery science theater live show, and like you got it, you got it. Those people were there. Yeah, one hundred percent. And I think that that would have to be the best, like one of the best audiences to have, because I feel like if you were like a band or something, maybe. It's like, oh, you know, like most of the people here are into this band, but maybe some people are just here because like it's a bar or here because they're here with like a boyfriend or a girlfriend or like they just wanted to see a show and pick this one. Mm -hmm. No one's just randomly showing up to see Mystery Science Theater 3000 live. Right. And also because most of the tickets got sold out like in the 
interim, like the opening period where the tickets were only available to the Kickstarter backers. Oh, really? So most everybody there was either a Kickstarter backer or like there with someone who was a Kickstarter backer. So it was just, it was a very enthusiastic crowd. Yeah. So, I mean, there's not a whole lot. The movie was terrible. Oh, sure. It was very, very bad. And you know what really struck me about the movie being that bad? The movie was Ega, which is this... There's actually an old episode of Mystery Science Theater with Joel where they watched that same movie. I did not know that. Is it, yeah. is it available? Like, could we go watch it or? The, that episode of Mystery Science Theater? Well, yeah. The old one? I think so, yeah. Well, I just, you know, like maybe it was like a lost episode or something. But I think okay. it's on YouTube. Right on. Um, check it out. But what's crazy about that is I was thinking about the fact that like it's this movie that's awful. And of course, they always watch an awful movie. Right. That's the thing. But they're on tour with a particular show. Which means that not only did they have to watch that movie enough to, like, record the episode, they have to watch that movie every, like, four times a week for the entire summer. And that sounds like absolute misery. Yeah, that is... That is, like, some worst idea of all time level, like, rewatching really, bad really stuff. rough. Yeah, it was a great show. You and I grabbed some beers afterwards at Becky's, which is a great spot downtown. Yes, yes. Uh, and that was, uh, it was just a super, super fun time. So, high five. It's a great show. Oh, by the way, as, as you, the listener, may have been able to tell by that high five, Dave and I are recording in the same room today. Oh, yeah. That was not like a super clever piece of editing. <laughs> that would I would have been really impressed with Editor Mark had he oh, managed absolutely. to do that. Uh, so, Dave, what then is our third Star of the Week? So, our third Star of the Week, Matt, is this movie. Uh-huh. It's two movies, really. And it's the movie is called Bahubali. All right. Yeah. It's a, not a Bollywood, Matt, but a Tollywood. Oh. Tollywood movie, which is uh, adjacent to Bollywood. It's just the language is Telugu instead of Hindi. And okay. so it's Tollywood instead of Bollywood. I, I was going to ask if this star was like a backdoor pilot of the Bollywood and Vine podcast you keep wanting to start. Um, yes, it is. It is 100% <laughs> that thing. And listen, if you are not convinced, I want you to watch this movie for your own like in just overall well-being you need to watch this movie but if you're not convinced by the end of this movie that this is a podcast that we should do at least like you know a quarterly like hey here's some special bonus content like Bollywood and Vine uh-huh. um I literally like I won't be able to process your reasoning <laughs> if we're not wanting to do it so this movie it's called Bahubali it's on Netflix uh-huh and so you can just go watch it because I assume you have Netflix because everybody has Netflix. Yeah. Everyone at least has access to Netflix. Right. So everybody has, so it's on Netflix, Bahubali parts one and two. And it is, it's first, it's incredible. It's, it's absolutely amazing. And it is a historical epic, sort of. Okay. And in, in that it has the vibe of an Indian historical epic. But it is completely made up out of whole cloth. Okay. Like, it does, like, none of these things are real. The places aren't real. The people aren't real. Like, it, it is set in, like, India. You know what I okay. mean? And like, it's set in India the way that, like, old Marvel comics might take place in Africa. Yeah. Or even, like, yes, exactly. It, it's just sort of, it's just sort of like an amalgam of a number of different things. And the the dude who, if, first of all, if you've never read any, like, ancient Indian, like, mythological epics, you should absolutely read them. Because they read, like, comic books. They're incredible. But, the, but like, super insane, over-the-top comic books. They're great. And so, it's, the guy just loves these stories, but he wanted to tell this other story. And so, he just sort of created this historical epic. <laughs> And so I don't want to go into like the full details of this movie because I can't because it's 
the two movies together are five hours long. Wow. Which is a lot. But, like, very briefly, it is about, like, uh, a noble king who is usurped by his evil brother and killed. And then his son is, like, secreted away, grows to manhood. Classic. Right. Discovers he is, like, superhuman in, like, a particular, you know, because, like, righteousness and goodness equals superhuman powers. Um, Is, like, superhuman because he's amazing. And then he, like, goes back and reclaims his father's kingdom. And the, and it, it's it's a cool story because it starts off as it's like about the god like the sun, mm-hmm. and then the last hour of the first movie is flashback, okay. telling you the story of the dad who is Bahubali. All right, which is the name of the movie, B A H U B A L I, and then the first hour, and like two hours and fifteen minutes of the second movie is also all flashback. Okay. And then it like pops back to the present for half an hour. And like, you see the conclusion of this story. So it's, it's amazing. It's like, it's, it's super fun and it's super energetic. And here are some of like the high points. First of all, the thing that I love about, cause I've, I've been watching some more Indian movies and the thing that I love about these movies is that there is like an unabashed enthusiasm a for movies. Uh-huh. Like there is not like a like nothing is happening in a way that is like tongue in cheek. Okay. Okay. Like it's just genuine like rad enthusiasm and they're super into what they're doing, which I love. And also there is I think a very clear recognition on the part of both movie makers and movie watchers that like, Hey, Hey dude, you're watching a movie, right? Like you're just here for the movie experience. Like it's cool. Yeah. There's a dance number. Is this a musical? Kinda in that (laughs) everything that comes out of Bollywood slash Hollywood is a musical because everything has a dance number because why not? Because they're fun and rad (laughs) and it's a chance to like do this amazing music and so that's like, first of all, it's just like, it's super like over the top and amazing. Second part that I love is that all of the, this I'm, I don't think this is actually how the movie was made, but I think this will give you some insight into like why it's so great. Uh-huh. The movie writer wrote a story. Okay. Okay. As they often do. Yeah. So he wrote the story and then he told that story to like a room full of 14 year olds. Okay. <laughs> And then those 14-year-olds told that story back to someone else while he while the original guy listened. And he just took, I think, probably everything they said and was like, Yup, that's going in the movie. <laughs> so there's a fight scene. And at like at one point in the fight scene, Bahubali just like he grabs, he punches a dude. Sure. And then that dude goes flying up. And as, as he goes flying up, he grabs that dude's ankle and he spins around and like knocks back an entire ring of other <laughs> dudes with that dude's face. Like he hits those dudes in the face with another dude's face. Uh, one of the guys, the evil king, has a chariot, as evil kings do, right? But on the chariot is just like a giant spinny blade of death. He just has like a giant murder chariot. <laughs> and you just look at it, you're like, that's something a 14-year-old would come up with, but it's incredible. Um, so like, guys, you just like carve out, we watched both movies in two days. Just like carve out five hours of your life. Like, 
please, please just go watch these movies. They're incredible. So uh, again, it's Bahubali. I just like I'm tr- I'm tr- I'm genuinely in my heart. I'm like I'm trying to come up with jokes about this, but I'm so unabashedly enthusiastic about how amazing these movies were that you should just go watch them. Right on. Uh, so what, Matt, is our fourth star of the week? So our fourth star of the week, Dave, is that the other day I was coming home from work and I got a message from a friend of mine saying like, "Oh, like you should come out to the bar." Like. No particular reason, just like, you know, a few people are hanging out, so you should also come, come hang out. I said, yeah, it sounds fun. So I got home, I grabbed our sister, who, yeah. as we've mentioned, is staying with me for a while. Yeah. Um, and we went out, and we are just sort of hanging out on the back patio of this bar, you know, having a couple of drinks and enjoying each other's company. And I had, like, turned away from the main group. Uh, because I was telling, like, a joke or a story to someone. I'm, I'm sure it was hilarious. I don't remember exactly what it was. Uh, un- undoubtedly. But I just wasn't paying attention to, like, the larger group of people, when all of a sudden I feel Katie, her sister, like, slapping me in the leg. And I was trying to figure out why. Like, it took me a moment to process what was happening. Like, why would... Wait, like, what's happening? You, yeah. And so I look over, and and the reason it turns out is that when I looked over, I saw a scene where two friends of mine were in that stage of uh, one proposing to the other, where like one is on the, their knee and the other one is crying, ah, you know, and yeah, like yeah. everyone else has like their phones out and is taking a million pictures, and I was just one hundred percent oblivious, like turned maybe thirty degrees away to the left, telling some joke. Now wait, was it the person who had invited you out to the bar? It was not. Oh, okay. Did they know that there was an engagement going to happen? And were like, hey, maybe you, like, secretly, like, low-key, like, you should come out for this? Or did it just happen that they invited you out? They actually did know. Okay. Because she is a photographer. Oh, and so, so they like, had said, like, could you please? Like, could you be here then? to just, like, take a couple of snapshots? Right, right, right. Um, and so she had said, oh, you should come out. Yeah. For no reason whatsoever. I wonder if being a photographer is sort of like owning a truck. Sure. So, like, every time that you need to, like, move house, you call your one friend like with you a truck. Ca- yeah, exactly. And or- every time anyone gets engaged, you call your one photographer friend. Just like, hey, could you come? Like, it's, you just have such a good camera, and, like, it would be really nice. Yeah. And you feel, I don't know, I'm not a photographer, but you feel sort of bad saying, like, well, no, I'm not. I'm not. Of course, right. you're, yeah. Like, of course, yeah, of you're going to go. Sure, out. you're going to marry. Congratulations. Right, but like, you do just have to go out. So, uh, uh, anyway, it was really nice. No, it was just like nice. a fun, weird surprise. And then the rest of the night was just like everybody celebrating, and somebody grabbed a Miller High Life and was splashing it everywhere because it is champagne the champagne of beers, beers. right? Yeah. Uh, it sounds sticky. Actually, that it was. Sound it wasn't a great, great idea, but you know, I, the theme is strong. Like the idea is there. I think there was like a practical level that that person maybe did. Well, not. was it you? Did are you? It was not. Okay, me. no. <laughs> Uh, although in a different life it could have been. It's yeah, in a higher life, Matt. <laughs> nice. Thanks. Um anyway, Dave, so that was the four star. What is our fifth and final star of the week? So our fifth and final star week is this movie, Matt, Bahubali. Uh <laughs> I am I am not done talking about this movie because it's it's incredible. So the other thing that it's like, Matt, is exalted. Okay. In that, like, Bahubali... Now, hold on. Yeah. Not everyone knows Exalted. And I know we've talked about it on the show oh, before, yeah, but I feel like we need to give a brief primer on it, because it is not even, like, a top-tier White Wolf 
game. Yeah, well, actually, uh, they had the largest Kickstarter out of any of the White Wolf projects. Just, okay. Anyways, so let me let me explain it. So if you would know what Exalted is, that made total sense to you. If uh, Let me just say it this way. Bahubali and his son, Shiva, uh-huh. are both very definitely magical. Okay. Okay, like, in a way that everybody recognizes. Like, everybody looks at those dudes and is like, oh, yeah, like, that dude, like, there's something special about that dude. Sure, sure. But at no point do they do anything that you would necessarily consider, like, explicitly... Like, they don't, like, cast spells. Uh They don't have, like, a magic sword. They are just... Like, they're so good at everything they do that it, like, vaults them into the realm of being magic. Like, okay. they're demigods is, like, probably a better way to okay, say it. Okay, right, right. Um, so, the way that it comes out, particularly for Bahubali, because, ba, like, uh, this, in the story, like, Singh is raised, or Shiva, sorry, Shiva is raised as, like, a peasant and uh-huh. sort of, like, doesn't come into his, like, superpoweredness until later in life, whereas Bahubali is raised as a prince and sort of, like, is aware that he's, like, totally rad the whole time. All right. And so, like... The character of Bahubali is so amazing. A, he's sort of like Superman in that he's just like the best dude. Okay. Like everything he does is the best thing. And like he's always rad and everybody loves him and he always makes the best decision all the time. And he is, and he's also like, you know, head and shoulders above everybody else that's around him. Uh, But the best part about it is the casualness with which Bahubali approaches his own, like, infinite superiority. Uh-huh. So there's just, there is one scene, and I'll just go through this one. So he's, like, he's out, like, traveling, kind of incognito to, like, see his kingdom, right? And he's sort of also low-key on the hunt for, like, a wife. And he is with his uh, his warrior servant, Katapa. Okay. And they are, like, they're going through this village, and the village is attacked by bandits. And the bandits attack this, like, royal procession. And the royal procession has this woman in it, uh, Princess Devsana. And she, like, jumps out of her, like, palanquin, busts out a sword, and proceeds to wreck house. All right. Bahubali sees this and is like, that's the girl for me. Because she's, like, beautiful and she's also, like, wrecking shop. But he doesn't want anyone to know that he's Bahubali. Because, like, if he announced himself, everyone would be like, oh my gosh, Bahubali. And he just kind of wants to, like, see what's up. And so he, like, pops off into the woods and is fighting bandits, but he is also immediately completely smitten and besotted with Princess Devsana. Uh-huh. And so he is, he is like, wandering around, like, gazing into the distance, like, lovingly, <laughs> but also fighting bandits at the same time. And so he is fighting, the, like, it's great because he's fighting these bandits and is not even paying the vaguest attention. Like, his head is thinking about Princess Devsana, and he is on 100% autopilot, like, throwing dudes through trees and, like, and like reflexively catching arrows and everything. And that's, like, it's just a taste, guys. You've got to go see this movie. That's that's just it, man. You got to go see this movie. Uh, coming coming soon to a podcast near you, Bollywood and Vine. As soon as Matt watches this movie, and and you know what, we need to go see episode forty six of Ninja Sentai Kaka Ranger, the New Year's manga hell, and we will be right back. Ninja, ninja. 
All right, welcome back. So we have just finished watching episode 46 of Ninja Sentai Kaka Ranger, the New Year's manga hell. Way to keep way to keep that curtain closed, Matt. Dave, uh, we have a certain sort of... We're trying to keep kayfabe here. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> nobody wants to see how the sausage is made. Uh, but in all seriously, uh, seriousness, listeners, you uh, if you follow us on Twitter, you will have noticed, or if you listen to the show every week, you will have noticed you that will, last yeah, week... still have noticed. Uh, there was not a standard episode. We really appreciate Mark and Brian having... Uh, an episode of the Spider-Man Who Loved Me on deck for us there. Um, so what happened was we watched the first, we did the five stars, we watched the episode, we took our notes, and then we were about to sit down and record the second half when we got a little waylaid. Yeah, well, we got, yeah, babies. The babies, like, because Beth and our sister were off seeing a movie, and we're like, oh, the babies usually take about an hour to go down, and they took a solid two and a half hours to go to sleep, and then by the end of it, we just said, ah, just, wow. Yeah, because at that point, it was like 10 p.m., and I did not have any funny juice left in the old reservoir. Yeah, that was it. So And then it was already, like, Monday, so we right. just weren't able to do it. But uh, here it is for you now, and boy, howdy, it sure is an episode. It sure is. Now, we, again, are sort of in a unique position here, because typically what happens is I watch the episode, I take the notes, we do the show. In this case, I've watched this episode three times in the last week, but I forgot my notes at home, because I'm back at your place. hey so uh, we are, I, I'm sort of heavy loaded on actual watching experience, but uh, a little light on notation. So we're going to see how this goes. So here is how this episode starts off. There's a kid. He is running some place. Uh, we find out immediately that he runs into a comic shop that I swear to you is set up in just like a hotel lobby. Yeah. I'm fairly certain and there's all sorts of signs that, like, there's clearance. And he's kind of looking through the books. And he, he'll, he like, look at one and then put it back. And, like, look at one and put it back. And he, he seems to be looking for something specific. This child is a connoisseur. Well, okay. That's probably not true. Because what he picks up is a copy of a manga called The Last Cocky Ranger. And it is like a, it's a trade paperback. Like this thing is, it's really yeah big. Um, he picks it up. It's the only one on the shelf and he seems excited to see it, but it's not like he read the, like read about it in like diamond previews magazine or like caught an article about it in wizard last month. Yeah. Is because st- is wizard still around? They no, still wizard is not that? still a thing. Man, I don't know. Um, but it was when this episode came out. Dude, when this episode came out, Wizard was the only thing around. Yeah, really. So, he can't possibly... Yeah, because maybe he just knows that the Cocker Rangers exist. Like, he's heard of... Because I think we have established that people, like, know... Or at least have maybe, like, heard of the Cocker Rangers. I mean, they must have. They have giant robots. Yeah, well, I mean, just because a giant robot shows up. Like, if a giant robot showed up right now, Matt. Like, if we looked out the window and, like, towering over the house, we saw a giant robot... We wouldn't immediately say, oh, that must belong to blank. The, the Kaku Rangers? Yeah, like, it's it's not labeled. I mean, I, at this point, I might, but, um... Well, okay, I mean, if I saw specif- specifically Muteki Shogun, then I would say, obviously, Kaku Rangers. And so, okay, 
But regardless, Whatever. like he's excited. There are they are famous colorful superheroes. They show up every week, regardless of the giant robots. There must have been a news article. Yeah. And this kid looks like the sort of kid who reads the newspaper, you know? Mm-hmm. So So he picks up the manga, he brings it up to the front counter, where there is like I mean, he's obviously the yokai, right? But he's like the, yeah. the yokai by way of like the Simpsons comic book guy. He's got yeah, like a no, that's a really good. Right. It's perfect. He's got like a scrubby beard and like little glasses and like a big belly and like you know he's just he is perfect for this role. Yeah. So he says he looks at the the kid walks up and he hands him the book and the salesman says, Ah, sorry, I can't sell this to you. And the kid says, no, please, I- I've got to have it. Like, it, manga is the only thing in my life that gives me any happiness. I don't have any friends. I'm completely alone. Well, okay, so he says, you can't have it. And the kid says, why can't I have it? And the manga guy gets up and starts talking and saying, like, well, instead of reading manga... Oh, that's right. You should be outside playing with your friends. Yeah, so he kind of soft sells this element of it. Right, right, and right. And then the kid says, I don't have any friends. I just read manga. And then as soon as he says, I don't have any friends, like I hang out alone all the time, mm-hmm. the yokai, it's like a super creepy predatory. <laughs> like, yes, it is a he is a monster. He's like an actual literal monster. But it is like a super creepy predatory vibe because he's like, oh, that's what's that? You don't have any friends and hang out alone all the time? And he just like puts his arm around the kid and shuts the door. Yeah. And he says, here's the deal. I will give you this manga. For free. 30 yen. 30 I'm sorry, that's right. For 30 yen, which is like nothing. Uh, but he says, but you have to promise to read it completely alone. And the kid's like, yeah, perfect. I do that every I time that anyway. Time. He's like, all I like to do is hide anyways. So, because if my mother sees me reading manga, right. she gets really mad and she takes it away. Yeah. So first of all, it's never explained why he has to read it alone. And second of all, he 100% does not do that thing. Yeah. At and no, it, has, it has zero impact. Right. At no point in this episode does he read the manga alone. Yeah. So, so he takes the manga and he runs away. And then he, the, the yokai does his little like dance that turns him back into his yokai form. And he is yokai mujina. And then, so we flip from there to a quick spot with Daimao and yokai mujina. Right. And Daimu says, ah, Yokai Mujina, your year of waiting, which I guess maybe it took him a year to make the manga. Okay, here's the thing. I don't think it took him a year to make the manga. I think he had the manga made a year ago. Okay. I think he spent a year looking for the right kid. So every time somebody would come into that comic shop and ask for the manga, he'd be like, oh, no, no, I couldn't possibly sell you this one. You should go play with your friends. And then the kid was like... That's oh, weird. Yeah. Okay. I'm out of here. I'm out of here. Okay, that does So make he sense. was waiting for a kid who was desperate enough for manga that he would be willing to, like, read it under these weird restrictions? So, <laughs> Yokai Mujina says, it took me so... Oh, yeah, you're totally right, because he says, it took me so long to find the perfect person. Isolated, lonely, a manga lover. Now, listen. I'm a dude who loves comic books. Sure. I think that's pretty well established. That's pretty well established. I really like comic books. And so... I I just feel like it cannot be that hard to right. find somebody who hits the intersection of 
isolated, lonely, and also loves comic books. Right. I just... Like, listen, and again, guys, like, I love comic books. Maybe maybe there was, like, a hidden fourth component that he's not telling that us about. That he's not like, telling us about. You need to about. be isolated, you need to be lonely, you need to love comic books, and you also need to be, like, you also need to have a weird hot dog just dripping with ketchup hidden loose in your backpack. Yeah. Which this kid does, Which and maybe, totally that was does. The, maybe that was like, the thing. That was the hidden thing. And also, by the way, if I could, like... Jokes are going to leave the room for a moment. So, if you love manga and you love comic books and you're isolated and lonely, but you have somehow found this podcast, like, go to, go to the comic shop, man. Just go. Just go talk about comic books. Yes. Everybody there also wants to talk about comic books, and you want to talk about comic books. And maybe it's going to be, like, weird and hard for a minute, but just roll up and... And ask that person what their favorite comic book is. Right. You don't even have to say anything about yourself. Just ask them questions. And uh, guess what? Comic book nerds love talking about comic books. And as long as you keep asking questions, they will keep talking to you. And you can go and meet somebody. It's 2017. Just trust that someone else will be excellent to you. How about that? Yeah. So. uh, Okay. Wait, can we? Yeah, jokes are are back in the room. Jokes are back in the room. Okay. So, So what we find out is... When this kid reads this manga, kid never gets a name, by the way. I no, he think. does. His oh, name is Akira. He? Oh, I missed that. Which is a funny name for a kid in a, a manga episode. Eh? Ah. Eh? So when he reads the manga, according to Yokai Mujina, it will unleash the evil power that he has put into this, like, Horcrux, right. I guess. So we flip from there to the Rangers. Uh, it, the Rangers are at, like, a, a temple. Of some sort. Yeah. I'm sure this is one of those things that, like, if we were like, Japanese, we, we would recognize it like, immediately. Because yeah. this is, the, like I said, the name of this episode is the New Year's Manga Hell. It takes place oh, right at New Year's. Yeah. And so this, I think, is like a New Year's thing. They're going and getting their New Year's fortune. Uh, yeah. They're no, ringing a bell. Totally They're doing sense. some stuff. So they, uh, you know, so Tsurihime asks, uh, she prays for, like, she says, like, I want to, this year... This is she has a great resolution. She says, oh, yeah. "I want to defeat the yokai with my dad." Like it's very specific. It's to the point. It's exactly what she wants. Great. Right. So Saizo comes back, and he has gotten his fortune, and his fortune is just great curse. Yeah, it's a pretty bad one. Which, like, if you're the dude who's it, because it's like written out, like somebody has clearly written this thing. Like, if you're the dude who's in charge of fortunes. Is it just your assumption? It's like, well, listen, somebody, somebody is going to have a crummy year. Right. And actually, so I just need to trust the system that this will get to the right person. The, I actually, I appreciate the honesty of that. It's like, <laughs> listen, man, somebody is going to have a bad year. Like, not everybody has a good fortune. You know, listen, I just, I don't, I don't feel great about it. Yeah, but it's his responsibility. It's, He's not he going to be dishonest. Right. So, I mean, I've never opened a fortune cookie that said great curse, but like maybe somebody has. <laughs> so, so Saizo has gotten uh, the great curse. We flip in, he makes a terrifying face. and uh, A he's terrified like, face. Uh, there's a center point in sure. that, you know. So we flip back from there and it is the kid, mm-hmm. Akira, right? Yes. It is Akira. He is reading the manga and... He's on the bus, surrounded by people. Yeah, so not alone. So he has already broken his promise. Maybe that's why the Rangers 
uh, sorry, spoilers, guys. The Rangers do win. Right. They're they're fine. And maybe that's why. Like, if the kid actually had gone, like, gone home and hidden in his room, like, under a blanket for it, then like, the Rangers would have died. Yeah, it's episode. because he broke his promise. So, good job, kid. Uh, let this be a lesson to you. Right, do, the, the moral not, of this episode. Do not keep your promises to creepy dudes who sell you weird comic books under suspicious circumstances. Actually, that's a pretty good moral. That's a good moral. <laughs> Just don't do that. So he is reading a comic comic book, and it is illustrating. It's kind. Of, it's cool. Like we are seeing illustrations in the manga of the things that we have just watched the Rangers do. Right. Like the setting is the same. The costumes are the same. Speaking of the costumes, did you scope Sasuke's pants this week? I sure did. Okay. It's a pants update. Pants update this week is that Sasuke is now wearing, like, straight-up black leggings. Like, full-length black leggings with those jean shorts over them. I think... But they're no longer the jean shorts that are cut to pieces in, like, a jean short skirt. Yeah. It's an actual pair of jean shorts over full-length leggings that I think probably go down and, like, are footy leggings. Because they are, like, tucked into his socks. Or at least, like, stirrup. Yeah. You know. Well... I think maybe they just didn't want to switch his costume again, but it maybe was a little bit cold. A little so chilly. Like, get some leggings. So we flip back to the Rangers now, and a door at this temple opens, mm-hmm. and it shoots out some blue energy at the Rangers, and then they turn into blue energy, and then they get sucked into the door, and the door closes by itself. Yes. Yes. Yeah. They, and then we and flip, they land in like a field. Yeah. And then they flip back to the kid, and the kid is just pulled out. From somewhere, a hot dog. It's the grossest looking sandwich I've seen on film, perhaps ever. I think ever. Now, when I say a sandwich, I say that because the first two times I saw this episode, I did not actually see the hot dog in the bun. I thought it was just like a long sandwich because there's just like some green substance on top that looks like... Like a guacamole or something. Yeah, it looks yeah. like he's got a... But they put it on with like an ice cream scoop. Like it's not... Yeah, it is though he has a like, a... like a submarine sandwich roll just full of guacamole. That on and top other of condiments. That, on top of that is literally dripping with ketchup. Yeah. And listen, I like ketchup a lot. I'm a ketchup man. I like guacamole a lot. I'm a fan of avocados, Dave. I'm a millennial. Yeah. Um, love it on that toast. Love it, dude. Hey, listen, I rent. It's okay. Um, but uh, those those are not two great tastes that go great together. They are not. And I, ju- I don't... Where was he... Like, where would he... There's no way for him... Because we've seen him. Yes. And he has, like, a backpack. Yes. There's no way to have reasonably trans... And it's big. This sandwich. Oh, it's the size of his forearm. Yeah, like, there is no way for him to have reasonably transported this monstrosity of a sandwich. I mean, we can only assume that, like, it was just loose in his bag, and everything else in there is covered in guacamole and ketchup. I just, like, because like, the outside of the bun is clean. And if he had had it in a okay, bag, that's true. the outside, it would be smeared everywhere. I don't know where he got the sandwich. You know, I, I'm i trying to think if I've ever okay, had an, an, an analogous situation in my life. Maybe there was on 
or immediately outside the bus. No, we see him running we to the bus him and run get on, on get on the bus. Maybe on the bus there is an itinerant <laughs> hot dog. I have seen this on an Anthony- itinerant hot dog guacamole ketchup salesman. Listen, I have seen this on Anthony Bourdain where like he's on trains and there's just like a dude with like a tray selling some food. Maybe they have bus hot dog men. This reminds me though of the time that I got banana all in the koosh ball in my inside my backpack. Yeah, that ruined those. Yeah, I so when when I was in high school, I junior high, I think actually this yeah, was. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, my backpack was like this old hiking backpack from the seventies that used to be our dad's. Mm-hmm. And so the good thing about this is you can just put like. It was you like a bag a of holding. You yeah, could put as much stuff as you wanted well, in this backpack. Well, it's more like a Hewitt's Handy Haversack, just to be... Okay, you know what? I'll give you that. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, at the time, I was doing a lot of just sort of like, you know, like juggling in my free time. Uh-huh. I still juggle now and again, but I used to always make sure I had some juggling stuff with me. I so, have juggling balls in my desk at work right now. Well, of course. So, I uh, I had these three koosh balls in my bag, like big koosh balls like i know the koosh balls that you're thinking of they're not those they're like three times the size of those they're very large they were awesome um if got... you're under the age of 21 listening to this, oh yeah like, just, just google koosh balls i guess k-o-o-s-h um it's not worth explaining but what i also realized is that i would just like put my lunch in there and at some point in this cavernous bag a banana had fallen out which is fine on the day that the banana falls out. It is not fine a week later. Because then you got, like, weak old mushy banana in your bag. Yeah. And then, like, the peel is not sufficiently, like, strong uh-huh. to hold all those banana innards in. Yeah. Uh, and so I reached into my bag to pull out, like, my algebra textbook. And what I pulled out instead was a koosh ball just, like, impregnated with weak old banana. And as I recall, like, some dark alchemy had taken place, and, like, parts of the koosh ball had just been, like, melded together. It was gross. The the, the koosh balls were never the same. Yeah, that was it for them. So, this kid just has this terrifying sandwich, and he starts eating it. So, we flip back to the rangers, who are just, again, in a field... They are, they get attacked by some ninjas. Right. And. Well, they get, okay. They get attacked by a number of people in secession. Yes. First of all, somebody runs past and the Saizo recognizes it as his ancestor. Right. Then after he's run away, um, someone shows up who is like dressed all in black and he has like a beard and a headband and long dark hair and he's got a sword. He's later identified as a fiend of swords. A fiend of swords. So we'll just call him that. Uh, He starts attacking. Yeah. So the fiend of swords attacks and the rangers go to Henge and it doesn't work for Saizo. Right. Everyone else is is able to. Yeah. So, but this, the fiend of swords is super good. Like he is soloing the rest of the team. Right. And not only is he super good, like the special moves of the Kaku Rangers are not working on this dude. For like, whatever reason. Yeah. Sasuke pulls out the full moon cut and like it just gets blocked. Yeah. So we flip out. We see the kid and a bunch of ketchup drops off of his food. 
And then we quick see the manga. Were you, were you hesitating to say that because you didn't feel like it really qualifies as like proper food? Yeah, I just wasn't sure what to say about <laughs> like it. Like how to describe it. So, uh, and then we, it, like some ketchup drips off and then we see the manga and someone clearly just has like a squirt bottle right. and is like squirting ketchup onto the thing. It's mega gross. Yes, not good at all. And then we go back to the rangers and they're in a temple now. Well, like, we cut back to the rangers and the screen then gets like covered in a red splotch and they get teleported. Right. Because apparently the power of spilling ketchup on a magic manga means that everyone gets teleported to the next page. Yeah. So they... Saizo appear... Like, they try to henge again, I think. Well, they see... Oh, that's right. Another Saizo. They see Saizo, like... Kaku Ranger Saizo. Right. They see, yeah, like the blue Kaku Ranger. And he says, oh, Saizo, you can't transform... Because you're under a great curse. Right. And then they are attacked by Shanghai spies. Yes. And Shanghai spies are just dudes with sun... It's like five dudes with sunglasses in... And I'm sure there's a proper name for it. But like... Like Chinese shirt and pants. Like... Yeah. It's like... like Think of a kung fu movie. Think of a dude wearing shirt and pants. That's what, he, that's what they're it's wearing. It's like, it's the dark shirt and pants with sort of like the Nehru collar. And there's like... Like the center button, The center buttons. And so sort of loose and yeah, silky. Like the, the sleeves a little rolled up and there's like a white at the cuffs and the collar yeah, you, and everything else is you've black. You've got it. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they attack. The Kung Fu guys attack. And then the doors open at the temple. Mm-hmm. And then a lady appears. And then we flip out to see Akira... And Akira says, Mom? So his mom is now in the comic book. Right. Now, here's what's weird about this. This, okay. Well, this opens a whole thread of questioning about this comic book. Because, like, okay. So the yokai wrote this comic, wrote and drew this comic book a year ago. Yes. And has been looking for the right lonely kid. The kid's mother is in this comic book. So. Like, specifically Akira's mom. Right. So are we to assume, A... That, like, he somehow had a vision of the perfect woman to draw into his manga and drew in Akira's mom and has just been waiting for Akira specifically to walk in? Or is this, like, a ever-changing... Oh, it is. No, actually, I think that's actually what it is. Is that the book is reacting to Akira. I think that's the explanation that makes the most sense. Because it makes that will make sense again later in the episode. Now, here's the problem with the next couple of minutes of this episode. Is that the New Year's manga hell, through like, from here until the like midpoint of the episode, does not make any sense at all. Yeah, it is. It's just a series of scenes that are in order, but are not leading anywhere plot-wise. Right. It's like, well, okay, because here's the problem, because they're inside of the manga, right? Yeah. So they're just jumping from scene to scene, and it's not like they're going through a story. It's like, do you remember the old video game Comics Zone? Uh, yes, actually, I do. Okay. The thing with Comics Zone is, like, the author of the comic got sucked into the comic book. Yeah. And he would move, like, it was a plat, it was like a side-scrolling beat-em-up game, but he would move, like, from panel to panel, but the panels were all, like, different areas right yeah so he would move like left to right through the stage but he would go through like different worlds as he or like different parts of the city as he would move through the different panels yeah that's what this episode is like it's going from like 
scene to scene, completely disconnected because they're just wandering through a comic book. But it's difficult to represent in a TV show as well as you can in, like, a comic book or a video game. Like, a more, like, 2D thing. thing. So, what happens is, is that Tsurukime and Saizo got separated from the rest of the group. Right. So, everything we're going to be following in the next few minutes is just Tsurukime and Saizo. So, they basically... It looks like they end up backstage, right? Effectively, of this comic book, as though like there are sets and scenes, and now they are in the hallway that is like between those somehow, right? Like they're wandering around in the tunnels underneath Disneyland. Like a phone rings, Saizo turns to go answer it. It explodes. It explodes. They start running down the hall, and then a bunch of spears shoot through the walls, right? And stab Saizo in the butt. Right, Saizo hates this. Yeah, he says, why is it only me? Because Tsurihime manages to dodge everything. Right, well, and also, like, everything is only happening to Saizo. Saizo right. is the one who wasn't able to transform, you know. Like, yeah. so, Saizo's got the great curse. Yeah, so they run out into an open area, mm-hmm. and then a spearman in blue. Yes. I thought it was Saizo's ancestor at first. It's not. It's just a spearman that's wearing blue. Which, I feel like if you have color-coded superheroes, you should not be able to use those colors as, like, primary accent colors for anybody that's not connected, because it's very confusing. Yes. So... But, but maybe it is connected. Like, he's... I mean, he's clearly targeting Saizo. Yeah, so this uh, He dude, tells them both that in the name of heaven, he will punish them. Yep. And he proceeds to do that thing. Right. They fight. They're running through the hallway. They run to a rooftop. Yep. Um... There is a quick shot of a roller coaster. Yeah, they're in an amusement park. The roller now. coaster is not relevant. Yeah, it's like just at no there. point does anyone interact with the roller coaster. It yeah. just happens to be there. So Tsurihime and Saizo try to fight this dude for a second, and then they both just jump. Yes. And they both catch ropes on a zip line. Right. The camera angle of this shot makes it look like they're on a zip line going up and not down. Yeah. And then they just ride that zip line, and then they land in an amphitheater. If you've ever watched a season of Super Sentai, it is the amphitheater. It's the one that they always shoot at that has, like, sort of a rainbow-colored mosaic backsplash. Uh, we've seen it. We saw it when the Die Rangers were first fighting the uh, Ring Priestesses. We saw it. I'm sure we saw it once or twice in Die Ranger. I know it shows up a few times in Jew Ranger. It's in Shinkenger. It like so, they keep using this, this spot. same spot. Okay, so they land in an amphitheater where they are attacked by a uh, cave woman. Okay, and I know I keep interrupting you, Dave. They I'm, do say Amazon later. Yeah, but. I want to tell you about this cave woman Amazon. Please do, because I I have two notes about this. These are off the top of my head, and so they could be wrong. I think the actress here is the Yellow Ranger in next year's series, O-Ranger. Okay. Right? Okay. I think so. I've, I've watched it. I've, I've been trying to watch ahead in O-Ranger. I did not actually look it up. She looked very familiar. Got it. Also, her costume, and I know you haven't watched Zhu Ranger, she is dressed, I think just wearing the same clothes, from the Yellow Ranger, boy... Um, B-O-I. He is a boy, but his name is Boy. Right. From Zhu Ranger. Listen, man. So this is... Let me tell you something about theater uh, and stuff like this. Is that 
stuff is expensive and it's a pain to make and acquire. So once you've got something, you just throw it in a closet someplace. Oh, sure. Listen, I totally support this. Here's why this interests me. Okay. Because Boy is from the same series as Dan. And of course, we already know... Crisis on uh, Infinite There's Dan's, the Crisis yeah. on Infinite Dan's. And I feel like there might be a Yellow Ranger spinoff of that. Like, this is the boy of, like, Earth-7. Ah. That just happens to be, like... An evil Like woman. an evil Amazon woman inside of a manga. Okay, I dig it. So... He is... So he gets attacked, and Tsurihime kind of fights off the cave woman. She's like, Saizo, you run. Clearly, you are having a very bad time. Right. And I will take care of this cave woman. So she's fighting the cave woman. Uh, Saizo sort of runs through a door. Right. And then he is... Gets hit by a motorcycle? Gets run over by a motorcycle, and it's just a dude all in black with... Mm. Like a kind of a broad-brimmed straw hat uh-huh. who runs him over once or twice. He's got a very cool look, and I wish we saw more of it. Yeah, him. it's actually super, super rad. So he gets he dodges the first one, and then he gets run over. And then the motorcycle boy disappears. Right. And then a bunch of paramedics run up, pick up Saizo, and they say, Oh, are you okay? Are you okay? He's like, No, I'm very hurt. And they put him in an ambulance. Yes. And then that ambulance drives away. And then the next thing we see is an operating theater. But it's clearly like a horror movie operating theater. Yep. Saizo is down on the thing. And then he like wakes up as though he has been passed out. Uh Uh-huh. And he... The surgeons are all like holding machetes. Well, one of them has a machete. And then uh, one of them has like some Japanese finishing saws. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, they're actually very cool saws. They do. Anyways. uh, And then there's a person on a bed next to him. Like also under a sheet. Yeah. That person sits up. Mm -hmm. And it is a motorcycle cop. Yes. Who basically looks like T-1000. Yeah. Well, because he is very specifically a Los Angeles motorcycle cop. And he says in English. But like very weird English. I I, and again, I don't have my notes in front of me. I believe he says, today is a very good day in California. Yeah. And, and then, then he pulls out a gun. Yep. And he says, shoot. And then he shoots. Yes. Saizo jumps off of the table and then just runs through the door. Right. Behind but, the door is another door. Yes. And he is now in, like, a nightmare scenario where every time he runs through the door, he's just in front of that exact same door. So he runs through... They actually recycle the footage because they only had two doors. But he runs through, I think it's, like, seven or eight doors. I don't think they recycled the footage. I think they they actually shot it, like, seven times with the same two doors. Oh, maybe. Okay. Uh, So he just runs through and he finally... He gets to one and he says, all right, that's it. And he sort of shoulder rams through the last one, it turns out to be. You know, here, what I was wondering about this is he... the Like, the angle on the camera is sort of hard to discern. What I... What would make sense to me, if, like, I was playing a game and I was Saizo in this situation, is that I would, like, turn around and try to break back through the door I had just come through. Instead of continuing to move forward. Maybe that's what he does. So maybe that's what he did. Or maybe this just happens to have been the last door. Well, whatever it is. He now is good. 
And then he's back in the caveman amphitheater. Right. Where he started. And the cave woman has an ice breath that she attacks Saizo and Tsuruhime with. And then they're on a pier. Yes. They're just... That's where they are. They're just on a pier. And then, like, a bouncing beach ball bounces past them. And then bounces past them the other way. Right, like, reverses direction. Yeah. And then the beach ball disappears and Mujina appears. Right. So you got all that, listeners? Are you good? So now... You understand where we are? (laughs) So now we're back on track. So... They're like, what's going on with you? And he says, I'm the Yokai Mujina. And he says, I used to be a shapeshifter, but now I'm a manga artist. Right. And he says, all the people, and he starts to shapeshift. He says, all the people that have been attacking you, and we see him turn into all these dudes, they were all Yokai Mujina. Right. Although apparently he can also summon them as sort of like independent avatars. Yeah, it's which actually we'll do in a moment. pretty cool power. So he says, he compares himself to uh, Shigeru. Mizuki, he like he he name drops some famous manga artist. I'm assuming is that. Hold on, let me. I've got my computer here. Let me look up. That might be like the creator of Super Sentai. Oh, that would be pretty great. Uh, uh, okay, actually, no, I'm sorry. That's Shotaro Ishinomori. Okay, so I would so, assume this is just... different guy. Probably also super famous yeah. amongst people who know who he is. Right. So he does like an ink blast attack or something, and then the Akira, who's reading the comic book. Gets splashed with ink. Yeah, look, it shoots out of the page. And then at this point, he real he's like, "What is going on with this manga? This is very strange." Yeah. Um. Saizo and Surihime are like, "Where are our friends? What's going on?" And Mujina just says, "They're here," and then they appear. Like he zaps, like they were ink inside of his pen. And then he shoots them back out there. I don't know why he bothered to do that. Like, yeah, it's he clearly weird. had those three trapped, but. Now so, everyone's back. So, yeah. So he says, you're now in my manga world and you're playing out the plot that... Okay, but he says, you're living out the plot that I've written. So, how much is this... This is very... Con- it's a very confusing question of how much of this is pre-written and how much of this is is the book reacting to what Akira is doing. Right. Because otherwise... I feel like it has to be reacting to what Akira is doing, like we said, because otherwise... Yokai Mujina would have just written a, a manga in which he loses. Right, which is a pretty bad idea for him. Yeah. Like, he would have written a manga in which he loses, and then waited a year to find a kid to give it to. So, I think we just have to assume that the manga is like psychic papering, right. like something is happening. Right, because at some point, and I don't know if it's right here or if it's a little later, but Akira flips to the end of the story. Yeah, it's is actually, that here? yeah, it is, it's okay. like right here. So, well, the rangers try to henge, but they can't. And he says, Mujina says, your powers do not work in this world. Akira, he's like, oh no, the rangers are going to die. And he flips to the end of the book and he sees the scene wherein Mujina has killed the rangers. Right. And it's like, it is brutal. Like Mujina is just like, because his weapon is this giant uh, pen. Yeah, it's like a giant fountain pen. Uh, and he's just like sh- like stabbing it through the bodies of the cocky rangers in this manga. Yeah. And then we see, like, part of that scene starts to play out, actually. Yeah. So we, I guess, have just jumped forward. Uh, but the rangers attack anyways. And then Mujina says, ha, like, I don't even have to fight you myself. And he summons the things he had shapeshifted to before. So right. now the rangers are fighting the Shanghai spy and the cop and the cavewoman and the 
spearmen and the fiend of swords. Right. So at first it goes really poorly for the Rangers because, well, A, they can't hang A, and B, they're sort of down Saizo. Right, because Saizo just like cannot put it together today. Yeah. Sasuke actually says, Saizo, listen, dude, you back up. Like, You're cursed. Yeah, like you should just run. Like just run. We will defend you. Saizo is like, you guys, you're there for me. I love you guys so much. And Tsuruhim is like, no, like we always stay together. Yeah. And I think it's at this point that Akira, outside of the manga, like reading it, yes. says like, come on, Cocker Rangers, you can do it. And then they hear Akira inside the comic book. They're like, did you hear that? Someone's cheering us on. So... He sneezes, Akira does, mm-hmm. and then there's like a minor earthquake in right. the manga world. And then we just see Akira for a minute. So he gets off the bus, and his mom meets him, and he's like, oh, mom. And like he tries to hide the manga behind his back, but the mom was like, no, 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 no. Give me that manga like we are going home. Yeah, so she tries to take it. He says, no, 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 I have to finish reading it. And she's like wrestling with him, trying to get it away. He, I think, bites her hand. Yes, he does. And then just books it. And then I think we must assume that she just doesn't bother chasing him. Because the next scene we see is very far away. And she is nowhere to be seen. Right. And I feel like she probably could have caught him. So she's a very bad mother. And... He just literally runs in, like, bowls over, like, runs into Ninja Man. Yes. Who is just setting up tables outside Nakamaru, doesn't know where the Rangers are, so he's just... Just busting tidying, tables, you know. I guess. So he's he's setting up tables, and he's when they run into each other, Akira drops the manga. Yeah. Uh, Ninja Man picks it up, he's like, oh, Cocker Rangers, hey! Like, I know these guys, Yeah, this is great. Akira's like, no, 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 you have to give it back to me, like, you can't read it, it's like, I have to read it myself alone... And Ninja Man's like, no, that's stupid. The Cocker Rangers are my friends. Of course I'm allowed to read this. Right. So he starts reading it. Because, like, Ninja Man does not understand what people mean when they talk. Like, he just doesn't know how to interact with people. Yeah, it's... And in this case, it works out really good. Yeah, so he is looking at it and he says, yeah, like, go Ninja Rangers! Or Cocker Rangers. And then they also hear him Mm -hmm. inside the book. But Yokai Mujina still has the upper hand. The Rangers are still losing. And Ninja Man says, oh no, like my friends are going to die. And then he says, wait a minute, this is just a manga. I'm just going to stop reading this. Right. And he tosses it over his shoulder into the garbage can. It's a, ni- it's a very nice moment. Because like, if you don't know that it's a magic thing, like, yeah, of course. If it's upsetting, you put it down. Yeah. And then, so Akira says, no, 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 like we have to finish reading it. So he like, I think runs and gets it. Yeah. And then they keep reading. And... And they start like cheering on the Cocker Rangers, like... Like, really heavy. Like, come on, guys. You can do it. Like, pull yourselves together. So, when that happens, Sasuke hears them. He's the last ranger mm-hmm. standing. He is about to get stabbed by Yokai Majina. Right. And... and I, I think he has an epiphany. Like, he realizes that if someone is reading the book, then they have to be, like, right outside of it. And if they're outside of it, that means that he, Sasuke, can also, like get out of it somehow so what he does is he waits until mujina is about to strike the final blow he blocks it like kicks mujina grabs the pen and then like rears back the pen 
turns into energy, and Sasuke, Sasuke, Sasuke hurls it at the sky, mm-hmm. where it, like, pierces the sky and, like, rips open the manga, creating a portal for all of the rangers to escape through. Yeah, of course. I mean, that's reasonable. Yeah. So now everybody is freed from the manga. They're all good. Regina is super angry, reasonably. Sure. The rangers all henge. And then the villains attack. There is a brief moment where, like, because all the villains just charge. Mm-hmm. Which makes sense for all of them except the LA motorcycle cop. Because he is charging at them <laughs> while holding a machine gun. It's like... Like, not holding it straight. Just sort yeah, of, like, like, flailing it around while pulling the trigger. No, he's not even pulling the trigger. He's just, like, yelling as he is running at them with the machine gun. <laughs> So I, maybe that dude does not know how machine guns work. So then, and then a fight commences. And now that it's in real life, the Rangers are way more powerful. Yeah. And they uh, they unleash all their special moves on these ink villains and like destroy them. Like it's not even like everybody gets off one special move. That special move is enough to take out whoever right, it is they're right. fighting. And then uh, all the villains. Or back in a line. Uh-huh. Like, they were all fighting individually. And then I guess they were all down to zero hit points. And they all just staggered back, formed a line again, and then died. Right. Well, so they could all fall over together and sort of, like, ve- like turn into mist. Yeah. And then Mujina says, all right, that's it. I'm using giantism. So he turns into a giant. The rangers summon the... Muteki Shogun. Muteki Shogun. Ninja Man or, uh, no, uh, Kakure Dai Shogun. I'm sorry, yeah, Kakure Dai Shogun. And Mujina puts up, I think, the most pathetic fight we've seen out of any yokai so far. He, I don't even think he attacks. He, no, he literally becomes a giant and then just is a punching bag well, because until he, be- he dies. He becomes a giant and he forgot that he should have tried to punch once or twice before calling Ninja Man a novice. Yeah. Because he does that, all of a sudden Ninja Man is Samurai Man and he's throwing his Samurai Rage Bomber. And then he just gets punched with an Iron Fist flying finish, and that's it. Like, he doesn't do anything. So... So that's the end of Mujina. We go back to the kid. The kid runs into the same manga shop. Which, listen, like... I know we were earlier encouraging you to, like, go out into the world and meet people and, you know... Like, sort of try to get outside of yourself a little bit. But if you've already been, like tricked by a cursed book maybe find a different yeah, shop like, don't go to that one specifically there are other there are other shops so he runs in and ninja man is there and he gives akira a new comic book ninja man by the way the only person in that comic book shop yeah. like i don't know if that comic book shop was an actual legitimate business and if it's still operating now that Magina is dead i think it's more likely to assume that it isn't and that it's like abandoned now, but Ninja Man like sneaks it. I don't know. Then how does Akira get in? It doesn't matter. So the Kanka Rangers have either created or commissioned a new manga to give to Akira in thanks, like I think about maybe this adventure. Yeah. It's called like the victorious Kaku Rangers, Kaku Rangers. Or, or like the Kaku Rangers big victory. Yeah. And then he's like... And then they've signed it, and Akira flips out. He's super psyched about this. I I don't know why exactly, 
I mean, you I know, mean, it's free manga. Cool, I guess. His mom is just going to take it away from him again. Yeah, it's uh, she's a very bad mom. Um, so then the rangers are like seeing this seemingly from a distance and are just like, all right. And they kind of smile. And then they turn to the camera. Look straight. Like they barrel straight down the camera. Yeah. Like shatter that fourth wall and say, next time you'll root for us too. Or something like that. Yeah. Which. Which is weirdly upsetting, right? Because this episode is all about like this weird like story within a story. Right? So if the Cocker Rangers then turn and talk to us. Does that mean that like, like we listen, are? I, I I'm I'm not in the mood to have like an existential crisis right now. But if I were, like, are we also a story in which we are watching Cocker Ranger, in which they are in a TV show where there is a manga that they are stuck in? I don't know, man. Layers you know, on layers. It's an onion, dude. It's like the end of uh, Men in Black. Yeah, it's all, like the marbles and the galaxies and stuff. You marbles know, and the watch galaxies. Watch Men in Black. I'm not. I'm not going to explain the whole thing to yeah. you now. Or uh, who is it that's like convinced that we live in an AI simulation? So it's some famous person. So where, Matt? The next question is: Where does the yokai Mujina appear on the Creature Royale? Okay. So uh, okay. First of all, I really dig his plan. It's super novel. It's very cool. Like, it's a very, very cool, interesting plan. Uh-huh. He's got a weird look. Did we talk about what he looked like at all? Uh, he looks like a weird badger fox, but in a... Pre- he's got, a, like, a beret and, like, a striped shirt. Yeah. It's it's a weird look. So he doesn't look that cool, but he's got a weird novel plan. Yeah, and he's got cool powers and abilities. So... But once that plan is over... Actually, you know what? You know where he fits really well, I think? Is right in with... I think it's uh, the TV lover. Dorotabo. Because Dorotabo also oh, has yeah. like a weird... Like he's got... Or like Nurikabe, the wall guy. Because mm-hmm. remember, Nurikabe like trapped him in a maze. And it was like this really, really cool thing. But like but, once you beat the maze, he was done. Norikabe yeah. himself was just over. And Dorotaba was the same way. Like once they figured out and got through his like weird puzzle plan TV thing, like that was it. Okay. He himself did not put up any sort of fight. Where are those guys in relation to each other? Uh they're actually fairly close. Norikabe is at spot 47 and Dorotaba is at spot 43, 53. So they're only separated by about 7. Wait, Dorotabo was lower than Nurikabe? Dorotabo was in, like, a electrified cage match. Uh, yeah, dude, the, the, do you remember how cool that made, like, it was a very cool yeah, episode of Nurikabe. Yeah, yeah, okay. And it was a two-parter. That's it true. It was a two-parter, and they're, like, trapped in this maze and, like, running around, and then they, like, break through and find each other. And then they have it's, to fight the brother. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's very cool. So, I think, man, okay, so as the plan goes... I dig his plan actually a little bit more. I think the idea of like trapping them in a comic book is super, super cool. But he himself is not nearly as cool as, say, Dorotabo, who is in an electrified cage match with Jiraiya. Right. So. And also, like, this episode, even though it's like interesting and cool, it's like also like really weird. It's 
like aggressively difficult to watch. Yeah. So like the first half of it, you're just going from scene to scene and nothing makes any sense. Like I watched it three times this week and it's the only reason. And I have notes in front of me, Dave's notes. But still. Uh, but, like, it's the only reason I was able to describe it to you at all. So, I would say, actually, like, the just the weirdness of this episode puts Mujina, I'm going to say, like, just below Dorotabo. Well, it's just below Dorotabo. Is the Tofu Hermit. Dude, Tofu Hermit got in, like, a drunken okay, all right. fight yeah, with... No, I'm... Let's... So, under Tofu Hermit is the Diamond Dimension... Do you mean Diamond Dimension that... <laughs> that made Akko, like... Made Akko super yeah. greedy, and uh, so that Kauri had to buy literally every, every diamond ju- yeah, in... Yeah, okay. No, it's not, not that cool. Okay, so now we're down. Konakijiji, the doll guy, uh, the doll yokai, Itanmoman, the rag strangler, and then Nupifuhufu, which is the face licker. Dude, I don't... Like, I don't want to get down on uh, Mujina that much, but I don't think he's as cool as any of those dudes. Well, then we're down into Fawcett Dimension. And he's I feel cooler like than Fawcett he's Dimension. He's definitely cooler than Fawcett Dimension. Like, I like this episode, but, like, he... Is Space Licker the one who, like, licked people's faces off and put them in a thing? And yeah, then... which was another manga episode, it's so remember? really weird. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. like, the little girl drew a manga face on her blank face. Oh, yeah. That was weird. Okay, yeah, well, then I'm cool, man. I say uh, just below Fawcett Dimension at spot number 60. We can put him above Fawcett Dimension. Oh, yeah, above Fawcett Dimension. So that's, I'm sorry, it's still spot number 60. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so spot number 60 for Mujina, the yokai manga artist. All right, and that, I think, is going to do it for another episode of A View to a Cocky Ranger. Before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you all you can email the show at supersentaibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes or check out the things we're talking about on Twitter, we are at Bros. If you like the show, please remember that shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Rate, review, subscribe on there. Oh, I'm sorry. It's not iTunes anymore. It's Apple Podcasts. Sure. So whatever. rate and review us up on there. But do really, uh, it really does. It helps people find the show. Yeah. And, uh, and we just want to get those that fun time out to other people. That's all we want. That's all we want. It's to entertain the people. You know what else we want, Dave? We want people to check out all the other great Retrograde Orbit Radio shows. Found yeah, at RetrogradeOrbitRadio.com. But for us, that is it for this That's week. That's it. We are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week for the greatest show on earth. Kakuen Day!